Hello and welcome to In Business Talks 2. We are thrilled to welcome you to our bonus episode, The Friday Fix. In our bonus episode, we will be discussing a business-related subject with either one of our wonderful In Business Networking members or a fellow business owner who will be sharing their advice, thoughts or knowledge on a particular topic. We're your hosts, Tracy and Ian Earl, founders of In Business, a networking and business support community. We host online and face-to-face events. We'd love to meet you, so why not come along? The link to book is in the show notes. Today's guest is Trish Hewitt of Tap HR. And Tap HR is the HR team in your pocket for startups, SMEs or larger companies. So welcome to our Friday Fix today. And we have with us uh, Trish Hewitt of Tap HR. Welcome, Trish. It's lovely to meet you. Well, thank you for having me. really appreciate it. Yeah, welcome, Trish. It's good to see you. Uh, before we start, a couple of questions. First of all, Tap HR, how did you come up with the name? And secondly, can you tell us a bit about uh, what you do? Of course. Um, so Tap HR um, came about because of the way I want people to access services. So I decided I wanted to have a HR app that people could tap and access automatically or quickly. So that's why I went with Tap HR. Uh, and a little bit about what I do. Uh, so I am a HR consultant. I've been in HR for the last ooh, 19 years. Always shudder a little bit when I say it. Um, always working for kind of big kind of uh, international companies and just decided that actually I wanted to give being self-employed a bit of a go and hence tap HR and the app were born. <laughs> oh, right. Brilliant. Brilliant. And you're enjoying it, I assume, so far, self-employment. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've been going for about a year now, haven't you? So, uh... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of changes in business between kind of year one and year three, but mm-hmm. through the first year, it's been yes, yeah, and low, so I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> good, yeah. good. So far, so good. Good sign. Good. Okay. So there's probably a lot of businesses out there who are thinking of taking on their first employee. Now, it's not that simple, is it? I'm sure that there's lots of things to think about when you are doing it. Um, so do you want to give us some tips and ideas and some just pointers really to for people who are thinking of taking on their first employee? Yeah, definitely. I, I would probably start right from the beginning um, and say, think about how you show up online. Um, so people like me call that your employer brand. Um, but when you look at kind of your website, think about things from a candidate perspective. So if you were a candidate looking for a job, what would you want to see? So you would want to understand kind of the what's in it for me factor. So when you go on the website, you want to know what benefits you're going to get, what it's like to work for the company, what their values are, just get a really good feel for them as an organisation. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I see employers not do is mm-hmm. advert up or sometimes they just put up a, um, a job description and kind of use that as an advert. And actually, it's not particularly attractive to a candidate. So I would say my biggest tip is make sure that your employer brand and how you show up online is on point. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Also, what what about things? What should people think about from a, I don't know, from a from a legal requirement? What what as a as a new person looking to take someone on? What from a legal perspective? What should you be thinking about? Um, there's a couple of things, and I suppose legal and kind of cost wise. Um, the biggest one is uh, employer's liability insurance. Um, people forget about that. So even if you've got, you're only taking on one person, you need to make sure that you've got at least five million pounds worth of uh, insurance. That sounds huge. That's pretty. Simple. 
that's pretty standard in the insurance world. You're not going to be paying a lot to have that. But the key point is if you don't get employer's liability insurance, and this obviously is based in the UK, you're liable for £2,500 worth of fines per day for every day that you don't have it. So I would say biggest thing is get yourself some employer's liability insurance. It really won't cost you a lot. You probably, I mean, obviously I'm not an insurer, but you're probably looking at something like 20 odd quid around that range per month. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For the sake of the fines, I'll just get that done straight off. Yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't realise that. No. Yeah, most people don't. And things like pensions as well. Obviously, we have auto-enrolment in the UK. So when you're thinking about taking somebody on, make sure you've got a pension provider. Um, and equally, think about payroll um, and how you're going to manage that. Is that going to go through your accountant? Are you going to go through an outsourced provider? Um, those are probably the, the legal things as well as hours of work think about what specific hours of work the individual is going to be doing for you because that needs to be crystal clear when you're taking somebody on yeah I suppose the, more, the clearer it is from the beginning the less chance yeah. of misunderstandings and things yeah. isn't there if, you, if you, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you go further down the line yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely and I suppose the other thing and the, the big thing is contracts of employment uh, so the thing that I do the most work with at the moment is employers who have taken someone on. It might have been a friend or they've kind of just not necessarily thought about the contract side of things. And then things go horribly wrong and they're calling somebody like me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would always say get your contracts of employment sorted out right from the beginning. They haven't got to be kind of massive and onerous, but I guess to the, the point that was made earlier, we, you need to just make sure that the basis on which you're taking somebody on is really clear. So they know what's expected of them and, and they, it's all just clear from the get-go rather than letting it get messy and then bang to pay, having to pay somebody like me. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so what are some of these essential elements you should think about then uh, uh, putting in a contract of employment? Are there things you've got to have in there or must-haves and things to think about in, in the contract of employment? What, what yeah. should go in there? That's, that's quite a big question. <laughs> it's a big question, but a good one. Um, so you want to be clear kind of what the role is, um, what the salary is, um, the holiday requirements, be clear about things like um, probation, um, notice is a really big one. But what I would say is when you need a contract of employment, definitely either speak to a HR consultant or employment lawyer or alternatively if you're a member of the FSB um, they do have brilliant templates that are available as part of your membership which are written by lawyers so you've got kind of a range of options but those are the the key things but they're not the only things that you need in the contract. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean what about sort of things like sick pay you know do you need to decide whether you're going to pay people sick pay or can you yeah, so in the UK, yes, um, there is a legal requirement to pay sick pay. There are lots of things that go around that in terms of when people are eligible for it. And there's a base level um, amount. But as an organisation, you might choose to do more than that. Same with things like maternity and paternity pay. You might decide that you want to pay more than the statutory amount and be a super awesome employer. Um, but you're also well within your rights to just pay the statutory amounts that are available to. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I suppose as long as you make that clear, then it's, you're not going to get tripped up later. What, what are sort of some of the big, bigger issues you've come across with with um, contracts of employment things? What have you found that people haven't done that they they should have done? I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, like employing friends. But what what are the main sort of tripping points? Do you know what I mean? Where where do people slip up? Um, the, the biggest one is kind of not having the contract in, in the first place. <laughs> right, right, yeah, that's probably a big one, you know. Yeah, that, that's the biggest one. So then when there's a problem, there's nothing to go back and kind of refer to. Um, I would then say it's probably mainly the wording and not necessarily having the right 
clauses. So things like notice periods not being very clear. So then when somebody does go to leave, there's a bit of a discrepancy about how much notice they have to um, to give before they go. Um, things like not having non-compete clauses in the contract. So you can put clauses in your contract that for a, a period of time will stop someone going to work for an, a competitor. Um, so when people don't have things like that in their contracts, people are quite willing and able to go and work for competitors. So again, there being some um, discrepancies there. Um, and I'd probably say those are the, the biggest things I've had to deal with. It tends to be the notice and the, the, the non-compete stuff and just not being in existence at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I suppose if you are starting out as a in business, it's easy to, if you're not experienced it and you don't know, then you probably might not create some sort of contract. You might just, like you say, oh, come on, work for me, it'll be fine. And sort of, like say, six, seven months down the line when it's not working properly, you haven't got a leg to stand on. Because does a contract, I suppose, protect both parties in some way? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it sets out from an employee's perspective where the land lies and from an employer's perspective, how that person's going to be treated. So I think it's just really useful from a, a clarity perspective for everyone to know where they stand and everyone know, to know where they're at, basically. Yeah. 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 I'm just thinking back to when I ran my cake business, I, I took on um, a member of staff and I didn't I didn't have a contract. We didn't have a contract. I mean, this is like 10 years ago um, or more. Must be more, was not it? Sure. Must be more when I took her on. Um, and we, luckily, I mean, she was she was the perfect fit for the job and she was the only person I interviewed. Um, even, well, she kind of approached me about the job really and, and I've had lots of people applying, you know, saying, do you need any anybody? It wasn't, in fact, I didn't, I didn't, advertise the job it was just I was thinking about taking somebody on and this this letter arrived and I took her on didn't didn't have a contract um, but I just had a really good gut feeling and she worked for me for five years until she had a baby and um and then soon after that I sold the business but um I mean I was lucky I was very very lucky that nothing in those five years went awry thinking back to what you're saying now about you know notice periods all sorts of things could have gone desperately desperately wrong um and I was just very very lucky that it didn't so in those five years I think um I'm looking back you know hindsight <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a good idea to have a contract wouldn't it Trish? yeah but then do you know what it's a really good point because things aren't always going to go hideously wrong um so somebody like me gets called in when there is a problem but you might have circumstances like you've described where everything's fine sometimes I, I believe it is always really good to trust that gut feeling and you, you know you've got the right person and it might be all right but having stuff that you need like policies contracts in the background just yeah. gives you that little bit of a buffer yeah. just yeah change, yeah. Really. yeah I think looking back now it would it would have been wise. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and when you're sort of looking for your new employee, how can you sort of ensure you, um, a sort of fair and compliant sort of recruitment process? Do you know what I mean? How, yeah, am I talking rubbish here? Do, do you know what I mean? How can you ensure that, that you, you're doing the right thing in actually getting them there in the first place? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I think, I, I would always say plan out what you're going to do. Um, so be really clear about what the job is, 
um, be really clear about what the the the, the um, sorry um, be really clear about what the uh, duties are that the person's going yeah, to yeah. Um, and when you're putting things out like an advert, to be honest, you just want to make sure that you're not being discriminatory. Now, I would love to think that all employers aren't discriminatory and we're all coming from the right place. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to do it, put anything in there that might be kind of seen as sex discrimination, um, kind of race discrimination. I mean, I'd be very surprised if people put adverts out that do look like that. But yeah. um, <laughs> but those are the kind of things that you need to, to look out for. And be really careful with the words that you use. So if you put kind of junior in an advert for example a lot of people will see that as meaning somebody that's younger um, and that could potentially be seen as age discrimination oh, so right yeah of course yeah I'm not going to look at a, a junior role and think oh, okay well that, that means me I, I might assume that because I'm older that's not for me for yeah me. yeah and think carefully about words like um, bubbly for example so typically men aren't going to look at an advert and go oh okay I'm a really bubbly person <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> Not that men can't be bubbly, but no, of course, of course, we do. But just stereotypically, <laughs> there are words like that yeah. that might put people off. Um, so just think carefully about the words that you use, and obviously not being discriminatory in any way, shape, or form. Um, with the interview process, um, candidates can request copies of interview notes. So I would always say make sure that you make notes and be uh, be specific with what you write down. So again, in the past, I've had instances with managers kind of writing stuff that they really shouldn't be writing on interview notes and then having to disclose those to candidates. So just be careful in terms of what you're writing down, but obviously truthful, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Right, are there any sort of useful documents there? Is it just about having some sort of, can you have your own process in place or are there some documents out there that you can steal, borrow back? (laughs) That's sort of a standard thing or... That's a good question. I, I would imagine if you had a Google for interview questions, there's probably documents that you could use. But typically what I do is I'll have um, the question itself, uh, a space for the candidate to provide an answer, and I'll come up with some kind of a scoring mechanism to score how they've right. done each of the questions. So then I will use that, and then at the end of the document, I'll just t- t- tally up all of the scores. So I always just knock up a pretty simple document, to be honest, but I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff online <laughs> that people... Is that what you're suggesting? Is that a good idea to have sort of a fairly... Uh, have a list of questions with like some sort of basic scoring mechanism? I suppose it's good if you've got a lot of candidates, you can just quickly have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, consistency is the key. So again, another thing I've seen with managers is they'll see one candidate and ask one set of questions. They'll see another and ask another set of questions. And that yeah. makes it really difficult to compare the two. Yeah, yeah. And equally you've got any company values i would always suggest that you have interview questions that reflect your company values so that you're bringing somebody on that kind of buys into you and your your organizational culture and that kind of good stuff um but yeah keep the questions the same and no silly questions things like um what kind of animal would you be if you were an animal oh yeah yeah why do people do that it's ridiculous (laughs) isn't it but then there's also the point of what does that say about you as an employer because the candidate's going to be thinking what on earth are you asking me that yeah, it's just a bit of a waste of time. So I guess, yeah, don't ask. I mean, if there are questions that are quirky, then cool, ask quirky questions. But that question, I hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the question, one of my friends, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Uh, so I've, I've come across that many times <laughs> in my career. 
Yeah, that's quite, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you're trying to gauge what the candidate's kind of career aspirations are. So I, I, I would probably ask that. I would say, what are your career aspirations as opposed to where do you want to be in five years' time? Because yeah. if yeah. you ask somebody that question and then COVID hit, where you want to be in five years' time, it's going to be completely different, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just play about with the question um, and think about what it is that you're trying to get out of that um, rather than... Mm. putting a five-year on it if you see what I mean because mm. yeah. yeah. careers don't massively move in five years I guess would be my observation are there any sort of questions you'd definitely shy away from are there things you shouldn't really ask oh that yeah you might, that you might ask in all innocence do you know what I mean because sometimes I fire from the hip without meaning to and I, <laughs> yeah. and you think oh my goodness me have I said the wrong thing there but you don't mean to sometimes you just say things because you don't think basically yeah, I think yes. you know sorry but do you know what I mean? are, are there sort of things you shouldn't ask yeah, I think it's hard, isn't it? Because sometimes you just, as you said, you just want to innocently ask questions. And I guess in the world that we live in now, there's a mm. lot of kind yeah. of tea yeah. and a lot of PCness, and sometimes it's just hard to think to be able to say anything really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess the ones that most of us would think um, see as really obvious. So again, anything that's going to be discriminatory. So if you're asking things about sickness absence, you don't need to ask that at interview. Right. Um, asking things about whether or not um, someone's got children. Mm. or whether they're planning on having a family I suppose yeah, yeah exactly like that I, I just a no-no I would kind of um shy away from really um I guess for me and I suppose everybody thinks differently but if you you're hesitating about asking the question there's probably a reason why you're hesitating if you know what to be yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's def- definitely those ones that are a no-no really because again they could um potentially mean that you're going to discriminate against somebody based on oh. sex and that kind of thing. Yeah, mm. yeah. You, The candidate you've taken on isn't performing in a certain period of time or in their probation period. Is it easy enough to dismiss them or do you have to be really careful, you know? Um, it depends on the circumstances. And I guess I would say I always advise my clients to be and be fair and you know treat people the way that they should be treated if somebody's in their probationary period you've got a bit more leeway and obviously it depends on um the situation with that individual but typically if you've written your contracts right like we were talking about (laughs) (laughs) typically somebody will have a shorter notice period when they're within their probationary period Um, and things like your disciplinary process or your capability process won't apply normally when somebody's within their probationary period i I say normally because people are interesting things and the situation's different so technically it can be easier to let somebody go when they're in their probationary period but I always advise my clients to you know treat that person fairly if you've not given them the, the training if they've got um sorts of issues at home or something like that and they need a little bit more leeway you might want to extend the probationary period as opposed to go straight to letting someone go but conversely if it's just not working out and you're not happy and they're not happy yeah you, you know yeah. it's fairly low risk to let somebody go within their probationary period mm, yeah. um, outside of that um you would need to have some sort of um, a process and um, some sort of a performance management process to, to let somebody go but equally um it, it all kind of depends on how long you've had the person so um somebody uh, people get the, the right to claim um, unfair dismissal once they've had two years service with you in the uk so before you get to that period again you've got a little bit more leeway but my advice is always don't just see that as an end point and you can do whatever you want. Treat people 
unfairly properly given the support and guidance but when someone goes over that two-year period you've got a bit more of a risk of them being able to claim unfair dismissal but if you have proper performance management processes you've treated somebody fairly the risk reduces down but as I say I say it slightly recently because um People are different. So if you've got somebody who has a protective characteristic, as in that they're disabled, for example, that will have a different level of risk in terms of letting it go. But again, if you're treating them fairly and doing the right thing, you, you kind of don't need to worry about that stuff. Just carry on and use the process. But mm-hmm. get legal right. advice as well, <laughs> if it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think you, you would worry as, a, as a, an employee that, you know, you might get stuck with somebody, you can't get rid of them, then you're going to end up with all the, the hassle that goes with it and, you know, the unfair dismissal or whatever. Um, but I, I guess just by getting an HR uh, professional in, then you've got your back covered, haven't you? Yeah, essentially. I mean, there's always going to be risk with letting somebody go. It's not a fun or a nice thing to do. But if you're doing things properly, following the right processes, and I think for me it's always as much as it depends on the, the circumstance but treat people in the way that you would expect to be treated is the way that I always say yeah yeah um, if, you know if I wasn't performing I would expect somebody to tell me about it in a timely way provide me with a little bit of help and guidance and if it's not working out to be able to part ways in a kind of dignified way if you know what I mean um so yeah I think it's almost some of it's going with your gut and some of it's obviously being led by the the legal structure that we've got in the UK yeah Interesting. What what sort of it's not a tricky question this, I'm sure it's not. But what's one of the biggest issues you've ever faced? What's one of the biggest problems in in your experience have you ever faced that's caused you a sort of like a, a sleepless night or things like that? Is it is it actually is it the redundancy thing? Is it telling people because that's difficult. I've done that in the past myself. I know it's really difficult. Yeah, I think for me it's always the redundancy thing that kind of keeps me up at night. Um because when somebody's made when somebody's done something naughty at work and they're disciplined and they let go that's kind of it's yeah. on right like yeah. they behave yeah. in the same way and there are consequences to it but with redundancies you know nobody's ever really expecting that they might be but most of the time they're not and it doesn't just impact that person that person's got a family that person yeah. feels and it all that definitely gets me every time i have to do that particularly when i have to do big large scale redundancies um but I guess I just take comfort in the fact that my job is to do things in a fair way to be as transparent as I can to listen to people and I guess going back to what I said how would I want to be treated in that situation is the way that I always see it but yeah I think that that's the one because it has such a big impact yeah um, and it doesn't just impact one person you know there's families there's kids there's nan granddad all that kind of thing and it has a ripple effect for everybody yeah, yeah. I mean, I know in my previous life, I've been on both sides of the table, so I know exactly what it's like. And I think I found it more difficult having to tell people they were being made, especially if you've worked with them for a long time as well. And they're not just right. colleagues; they're more or less friends as well. And and you know their circumstances, and you know they found that 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 can be really difficult. I I think so. And I've, I've experienced that. And it's not a pleasant thing. It's probably far worse than somebody saying, you know, good night, Vienna. You've, you, do you know what I found anyway? It was it was easy. It was difficult. Difficult time. Then- so I think we've covered some good points there for uh, people who are thinking of taking on their first employee. And I think my advice would be, yeah, do yeah. they get a contract? Yeah. <laughs> or alternatively, I'm going to ask Trish, um, if people do want to find out more and then use your services, what is the best way of getting in touch with you? I'm asking for help. 
Um, so if they want to go onto my website, it's www.tapphr.co.uk. Um, equally, we do have an app. So if you just want to download that, either from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, then you can use the chat function and speak to me or one of the consultants. Or I'm all over social media. So to <laughs> Instagram, LinkedIn, all you've got to do is put in TapHR and this face will come up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a lovely smiley face. Yeah, yeah. But a lovely face to start the day with. Yeah. <laughs> That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> that right did I say did I say that wrong? Did I mean, you know, I meant that in a good way. <laughs> See what I mean? I've got to be so careful, Trish. I've got to be so careful, it just comes out of my mouth. I'm taking it as a compliment. So. It was a compliment, it was a compliment. <laughs> it was it was a Right. On that note, I think we'll say goodbye. Uh, yeah. uh, thank you for your time. It's thank been you. lovely chatting to you and for all your information there. Yes. And uh, take care. Yeah, and good luck in the future as well with your company as well. If it all goes well, continued oh, success. Thank you. Thanks for having right. me again. Really appreciate yes, it. Yes, it's a pleasure. Take, take care. Bye. <laughs> we are almost at the end of this week's show. And just as a reminder, before we go, don't forget to book your place at one of our online networking events where you can meet some great business owners and build those business relationships. If you're in the Leeds, Harrogate or York area, then why not come along to one of our face-to-face events? We'd love to meet you. And remember, the best business comes from the best relationships. The link is in the show notes. Do you wish you could network with more confidence? We understand the challenges that you face. Whether you're new to networking or you're simply looking to improve your skills, our networking know-how course will take you through the process and provide you with practical tips and techniques to help you make more meaningful connections. We'd also like to mention our books which are available on Amazon. How to improve your business networking skills, 52 tips to help you with your networking. Our notable networking one-to-one networking notebook, a place to keep all your notes from those follow-up one-to-ones. And last but not least, our 90-day CEO success journal where you can plan, set and plot the actions you will take to achieve your goals. Thank you so much for joining us this week on In Business Talks 2 Friday Fix. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, all that we ask is that you simply tell a friend about the show. And please follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'd really appreciate it. So, until next time, this is Ian and Tracy. And together, we are in business. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.